Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Nobody loves this country more than immigrants. I love this country, man. I fell in love in this country. Six years old, Janice Malo. I saw her in the sandbox. I run up to her, first grade. I was like, Janice, I love you. She's like, you're the color of poop. That's memory number one. I'm Mehdi Hassan. You're listening to Deconstructed, a new podcast from The Intercept. And that was a clip of today's guest from his Netflix special, Homecoming King. He's a writer, actor, comedian, soon-to-be talk show host, and, I'm pleased to say, also a good friend of mine, The Daily Show's very own Hassan Minaj. The news is almost like the comment section on Facebook, where there is no, hey, we went to the moon. Everything is a moon landing debate. Yes. Objective reality is just this debated thing. So, this week, free speech, or should I say, the war over free speech. I think the big problem this country has is being politically correct. There is an organized effort, primarily on the left, to shut down all free speech. I mean, this is obviously another left-wing liberal organization out there trying to shut down free speech. Is free speech really under assault in the United States right now? Are people actually being silenced for having unfashionable or even offensive views? Really? Conservatives in particular have made free speech into a wedge issue. Tune into Fox News almost any night of the week and you'll hear dire warnings about political correctness run amok or Stalinist attacks on our God-given right to free speech. Bullies on the left aiming to silence conservatives. The right has basically weaponized the First Amendment in order to paint themselves as victims, as free speech martyrs even, constantly being harassed, hounded and silenced by liberal bullies, by the intolerant forces of political correctness and media censorship. Recently, they were up in arms over the Atlantic magazine's decision to fire its new conservative columnist, Kevin Williamson, who merely, merely called for women who have abortions to be executed, specifically to be hanged. Conservatives have also spent much of the past few years hysterically claiming that college campuses in the US have gone all totalitarian because some student groups dare to protest guest speakers who make money out of trolling people with racism and sexism. All of this and more, say conservatives and some liberals, is evidence that free speech is under assault across the US, especially from the left, both in the media and on campus. But you know what? That's bullshit. It's complete and utter bullshit. And I want to say three things about why it's such BS, about why this is all such a fake controversy generated by the right. Number one, just take a look around. The most un-PC president in modern history sits in the Oval Office right now, a former NBC reality TV star who constantly, openly, proudly, loudly traffics in racist, bigoted, misogynistic, anti-Semitic, Islamophobic language on a near daily basis. He has no issues with free speech, I'll tell you that. And yet 63 million Americans voted for him and he won a presidential election off the back of what one study described as billions of dollars worth of free and largely uncritical media coverage. Today, Fox News remains the top rated channel on cable news. 
ABC has brought back the explicitly pro-Trump Roseanne as part of a deliberate post-election heartland strategy. Liberal media organisations from the New York Times to the Atlantic to MSNBC continue to fall over one another in hiring more and more card-carrying conservative pundits. Being a climate change denier and an anti-Arab bigot, for example, didn't stop neoconservative writer Brett Stevens from being given a regular and very prestigious column in the Times. Number two, this whole free speech issue has been blown way out of proportion. Yes, there are fringe examples of fringe organisations on campus shutting down the odd public event by a far-right or ultra-conservative speaker. But look at the data, as Matthew Iglesias of Vox did last month. The numbers are pretty clear, whether it's data from the General Social Survey, the GSS, or whether it's Gallup polling carried out for the Knight Foundation. The facts are that free speech isn't dying out in the US and isn't under assault from the left on campus. In fact, public support for offensive speech, with the exception of racist speech, has been on the increase and not in decline. And people on the left are actually more supportive of offensive or controversial speech than people on the right. College graduates are more supportive of offensive speech than non-college graduates. And you know what? Young people are more supportive of offensive speech than older people. Those are the facts. In fact, the real threat to free speech and free expression comes not from powerless lefty students on campus or marginalised people of colour, but from the government and specifically from the current occupant of the White House, from a Republican president who wants to be able to sue his critics. Our current libel laws are a sham and a disgrace and do not represent American values or American fairness. So we're going to take a strong look at that. Who likes to threaten news media organizations? The president also taking a remarkable step, appearing to attack the First Amendment, tweeting about NBC News and the networks. At what point is it appropriate to challenge their license? Who wants to deny black athletes the right to peacefully protest police brutality? Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired! who has encouraged violence against protesters at his own rallies. You know, the guards are very gentle with him. He's walking out like big high fives, smiling, laughing, like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. And whose press spokesperson called for the firing of a TV anchor simply because she dared to criticise the president. I think that's one of the more outrageous comments that anyone could make uh, and certainly something that I think is a fireable offence by ESPN. Number three, I know you Americans love your First Amendment and your holy right to free speech, but let me be politically incorrect, to borrow a phrase. The reality is that there is no such thing as free speech, not in absolute or limitless terms. Free speech doesn't exist in some abstract way. There have always been practical, legal restrictions on speech, whether it's laws on slander, copyright, treason, incitement to violence, etc., There are also not just legal limits, but social and moral limits that we have as a civilised society brought in. Taste and decency restrictions on free speech. You may have the right to be offensive, bigoted, crass or crude. Doesn't mean you have a duty or an obligation to be offensive, bigoted, crass or crude, or that people have to offer you a platform on which to be offensive, bigoted, crass or crude. And look, let's not fetishise free speech in some sort of abstract or mystical way. There are a lot of grey areas when it comes to speech. Things aren't always black and white. And let's not forget that we all self-censor on a daily basis. We do, in order to get along with the people around us, in order to show respect and tolerance for others, in order not to come across as boorish idiots. 
So I want to get into some of this stuff with my guest today and really drill down into the limits on free speech, especially in the news media, in comedy, on television, uh, who gets to draw the line, where the line's drawn. And he and I don't always agree on this stuff. Look, my view is that in America right now, it's not that the First Amendment is under attack. The First Amendment is safe and secure. It's that the long-standing ability and freedom of a lot of men, of white men, of especially conservative white men, to be racist and bigoted without consequence, as they were back in the good old days when women and people of colour were seen but not heard, that's what's under attack. And you know, I for one, I really don't have a problem with that. My guest today is one of the funniest people on TV right now, and he calls out bigots and buffoons on a nightly basis. Here he is on The Daily Show the other week, reacting to the Punisher Muslim Day hate campaign in the UK. Actually, Trevor, I'm optimistic. I know it's scary, but they're proposing Punish a Muslim Day. Day, Trevor, one day. That's 364 days less than normal. I take that as a W, all right? Brown folks, listen to me, eyes here, all right? April 3rd. We all stay home, Amazon Prime, everything we need, catch up on some Peaky Blinders. Then we walk outside April 4th, boom, Islamophobia done. That was Hassan Minaj, comedian, actor, and soon-to-be talk show host on Netflix. His performance at the White House Correspondents' Dinner last year earned him plaudits across the globe, and his recent Homecoming King comedy special on Netflix made me want to laugh and cry at the same time. So, how does he navigate the thorny issues of free speech and political correctness, of what can and can't be said, especially in an age of Trump? Hassan Minaj, thanks for joining me on Deconstructed. Thank you for having me. And congratulations on the big new show on Netflix. Thank you. Uh, you've been doing The Daily Show. That's what a lot of people know you from. Yes. And obviously your stand-up. Now you've got the new talk show. Yes. Um, you're also doing stand-up on campuses. You go to a lot of universities. Correct. Yes. Recently you were at Texas A&M in College Station. Yes. And one of the other people who's been at Texas A&M at College Station is Richard Spencer, the neo-Nazi, the white nationalist. Yes. So you share great company there and your fellow fellow speakers. Yeah, yeah. What is your take on this whole debate about free speech on campus? When you were at A&M, when you've been at universities, do you feel you're restricted? Do you feel there's some kind of assault on free speech that people aren't being allowed to speak on campuses because some people don't like neo-Nazis getting platforms? Yeah, so so for me, I'm, I'm in a very unique position because I don't, quote unquote, push the boundaries in terms of language or I, I don't try to be offensive for offensive sake. The topics that I'm usually hitting are more sort of like political debates, et cetera, which, which are a, a little bit less... <laughs> They're less intense than say saying that you want to start a white nationalist state, right? right? Yeah. You know what I mean? No, no you're, you're yeah. not calling for a brown state. Yeah, or... yeah, making fun of senators or you know making fun of the administration is, is yes. We do now live in this era yes. where there are a lot of quote-unquote provocateurs, especially turning up on campuses almost to try and yes. incite a, a, a riot or have a have a row or become a free speech martyr. What is your view of what where that debate is? Is there a kind of war over free speech right now? Do you think people are people don't understand where the line should be drawn or differ on that? A lot of people are arguing that, but my, my fundamental take is this. And look, some of those speakers will go to, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos' events have gotten shut down. Richard Spencer. Richard yeah. Spencer's events have gotten shut down it, that only feeds into their street credibility it, the allure it, of the forbidden yeah totally there is an argument that says okay you're making them into free speech martyrs yes on the other hand by denying them a platform you are preventing the circulation of some pretty abhorrent views 
But then we, we enter that really, really slip, slippery slope is who gets to define what you can and cannot say. And, you know, look, we're talking about college campuses and universities, which are supposed to be marketplaces of all ideas. Like, it's really about the exchange of ideas and critical thinking. So there could be somebody who comes to campus that I love. Let's say I, I would love to see Noam Chomsky speak. There may be a programming board that says, no, 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 I don't like Noam Chomsky. Because I hear this, I'm, I'm British, right? So when I come to, I've been living in the US for three years. Right, right, right. You, you guys love the First Amendment. And, yes. the, and the First Amendment is a, is a great piece of work. Yes. It's a great defender of free speech. Yes. But there, it's almost been interpreted in recent years by many Americans, especially on the right, as some kind of untrammeled right to say whatever you want, wherever you want. And that's never what it's been meant. For example, I'm Muslim, right? You're Muslim. Yes. We correct. get lectured a lot about free speech. You know, why don't you go, why aren't you guys okay with people making fun of your prophet or making fun of religion? in Islam. But I often find, okay, yeah, we have sacred things that we don't get upset about, but so do you. So do a lot of liberals. Maybe not religious things, but, you know, we're sitting in New York City. New York Times wouldn't publish jokes or cartoons mocking 9-11 on the front page. You just wouldn't do it. Not because it's against the law, right. but because of taste, decency, yes. offense. Yes. And look, just because you can doesn't mean you should. This is that's purely a taste thing. Yeah. But the the discussion. I always say you have the right to fart in an elevator. It doesn't mean you should. <laughs> right. 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 right? Well, yeah. 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 And you don't expect everyone to fart with yeah, you in solidarity. The fart analogy is great. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah. So I I, I fundamentally agree with that. But there's a lot of people hmm. that are fighting for the right to fart. And how do you and how do you react to that? It, look, here's here's the crazy thing. Sometimes some comedians have to fart on stage. Hmm. They have to. They are tinkering with. Hey, what if we what if we do take it to this point? And, and look, the audience may not go there. I think these things should be done with, with tact. I really do believe like free speech is like a lightsaber. Only certain Jedi, Jedis can truly wave that lightsaber responsibly. The problem is people don't like certain types of speech or how we exercise sure. them. So when people boycott Laura Ingram on Fox News yeah. for basically mocking a, a, a child who survived a shooting on, yes. on Twitter, when she's boycotted and her advertisers pull out, that's not an attack on free speech. The chilling effect on free speech in the workplace, in the media. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And in society at large is palpable. We all feel it. No, no, no. This is a misunderstanding. This is what you, have, yeah. you have free speech. You're not free from consequences. Exactly. So the, the First Amendment doesn't say you have to have advertisers on your show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. There's a constitutional yeah. right to have advertisers. Full agreement. If Full people ag don't want to advertise on your show because of your awful speech. Full agreement. What's, what's happening is a lot of the fringe right-wing sort of online community, they're, they're arguing that, hey, we are being restricted on Twitter, we're being restricted on YouTube. That was a huge grievance for the YouTube shooter, that yeah. my freedom of speech is being suppressed. Yeah. They are controlling the messaging. Yeah, and which that, is, it's always this victimhood complex, which is so ironic because a reality star right-winger is sitting in the Oval Office. I just find it so bizarre. Roseanne. Uh -huh. Roseanne is back on ABC yeah. with record ratings. Yeah. How could you have voted for him, Roseanne? He talked about jobs, Jackie. He said he'd shake things up. 
I mean, this might come as a complete shock to you, but we almost lost our house the way things are going. Have you looked at the news? Because now things are worse. Not on the real news. Oh, please! What's your take on Roseanne and what that represents right now in our moment? Because New York Times did a story recently about how this is part of ABC's heartland strategy, to reach to people who weren't reached before who voted for Trump. Right. And I saw Reza Aslan tweeting about how his show, he had had a Muslim sitcom yeah. that had been, uh, was in the works with right, ABC right, and, 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 and they dropped that and decided to run this. Uh-huh. What do you think about how networks are dealing with these kind of issues? Okay, so I think there's multiple layers to, the, to this cake and we have to take it one layer at a time. The first layer is that, is that look when people go, how did Roseanne come back? First of all, let's be honest. We're living in the age of reboots, number one. Number two, it's an existing, extremely popular property. It, it, it wasn't a niche show when mm. Roseanne was on the air. It I was watched a, it in the UK it, growing it, up as a, a teenager. show. Yeah. So if someone goes, let, let's, let's just take this as an objective decision in a, in a vacuum. If you're an ABC studio executive and you're sitting on that property, much like Home Improvement or other properties they've had, is one of the most successful properties that they've had over the past three decades. So that decision to bring it back, irrespective of your political beliefs, yeah. is a good decision, yeah. right? And when you describe in those terms, fine. Yeah. But when you look yeah. at the context. Yeah. Now, now, under the context of what's, what's going on, yes, it becomes very strange. You know, the character of Archie Bunker was a character. Right, Norman Lear behind closed doors was not a, a, an, an insane person. Roseanne happens to be that so, in real life. Yeah, so yeah, it's she's not. A, she's it's a not conspiracy theorist, yeah, yeah, bigot. Yeah. Says horrible anti-Arab things all the time. Sure, but, I mean, it's, it's sure. interesting. ABC is the same network that shelved an episode of Blackish, right. which was going to talk about the take a knee protests by right. black athletes. Right, right, Because right. that was seen as maybe too divisive, contentious, right. et cetera. Right. What a, you know, no, no debate about, no conservatives jumping up and saying, what happened to free speech right. and blackish? Yeah, 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 yeah. And here's a question to you. We're sitting right. here in Manhattan, yeah. in like the heart, you know, liberal media land, sure. East Coast. Sure. You, for a living, kind of make fun of politicians, especially conservative politicians, yeah. night after night on late night comedy shows, which are kind of the epitome of yeah. liberal comedians. Yes. Do you feel responsible for Trump? No. Do you think Trump won because people like yourself antagonized all these, the real authentic Americans? hundred thousand percent no. And I can tell you why. When we went to the Republican National Convention in 2016, we were doing all these field pieces at the RNC. Nobody recognized who we were. <laughs> okay. So if I was responsible, people would go, you're Hassan Minaj. And you, I, heard, I saw that chat that you did about Laura Ingram. No, no one knew who we were. I really do think that, you know, entertainment news and all of those things have become like an a la carte salad bar. You go to the sources that you want and you make your dish the way you want it to be. Depressing. Yeah, it is really depressing. But it's depressing in some ways and it's good in some ways that everybody gets to curate the things that they really, really like and there's not four TV stations to give you all the information you need in the world. Conversely, objective reality is a thing that we can't agree on anymore. <laughs> yeah, post-truth era. Yeah. Yeah, it's depressing. As a journalist, sometimes I wake up and wonder, what, what's the point of doing what I do when a significant chunk of the population right. doesn't believe anything I say, do you, no matter what facts or figures I may bring to Marshall? Do you feel like it's tough because as, as a journalist, and I, I, I don't know if it was like this when you went to journalism school and you were coming up, wasn't there a big movement of you have to be... Um, you, you you cannot be bi- you hit, cannot uh, what is it called you have, you have to be not biased objective or you, you have to be objective the view from nowhere yeah as it's called in the yeah. UK. it's bullshit I never signed up to to begin with but now right yeah I'm but noticing. there's a difference between taking a position I've always taken positions and being fact free being anti fact 
I mean, that's the difference. Right, right. right. I just want to move the conversation on to, it's very easy to go after Trump and right-wingers and conservatives sure. over these issues of double standards on free speech and anti-fact and racism and bigotry. Sure. I just want to talk about the liberal side of the equation. Okay. Because we shouldn't give liberals a pass here. Okay. There is kind of liberal bigotry, liberal misogyny, liberal Islamophobia. Something okay. that you and I have probably experienced okay. a lot of. And I just wonder... Can you give me an example? Times, can you, can you give well, no, I want to ask you for an example. Yeah, have yeah. there been times in your career, maybe at a club or in a TV network or at a media party, where somebody said something so bizarre or offensive or ignorant, perhaps unwittingly, perhaps with the best of intentions, and you've kind of had to either let it go or challenge it? Yeah. So that goes into an interesting thing. I'm, I've heard, you know, misinformed or, or, or things that, that seem that can seem on, on surface level relatively Islamophobic. Um, yeah, I've experienced those things in my life. The big thing that I try to understand, and maybe this is again like where you're saying how liberals we have such, the, you know, as an artist, I'm such an empath, I try to have empathy. I try to think about intent versus impact. Mm. What is the person trying to say to me? Yeah. And I think right now everybody's just on tilt. We're not even looking at so give the benefit of the, the doubt. Try to, or try to see what, what, is this person trying to communicate to me? Do you remember at the Democratic National Convention, Bill Clinton gave a speech where he said, American Muslims, if you love America, come help us. Stay here and fight <laughs> with us. Terrorism. If you love America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, okay. If you're a Muslim and you love America and freedom and you hate terror, stay here and help us win and make a future together. We want you. It's like, yeah, good Muslims. Your cousin's probably a terrorist, so you can serve as our liaison to the sleeper cell. Yeah, yeah I, it's the subtext, yeah. Look, I can't talk about what, what journalists do. I, I try to use my platform to talk about, hey, this is why that is not a specifically nuanced take. Let's break down what you're saying. You are implying that if I love this country, the way I can prove my love to this country is by preemptively stopping terrorism. Before we finish, I want to talk about the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Okay. You're, you headlined at the White House Correspondents' yes. Dinner last year in yes. 2017. yes. Donald Trump doesn't care about free speech. The man who tweets everything that enters his head refuses to acknowledge the amendment that allows him to do it. Think about it. It's, a, it's almost, what is it, 11? It's 11 p.m. right now. In four hours, Donald Trump will be tweeting about how bad Nicki Minaj bombed at this dinner. Your speech, your gig, your routine went viral correct uh, you had some great gags in there you were suitably sure. savage about donald trump yeah uh, is it true that they asked you not to go after donald trump that night because you made a joke that night about you were told not to yeah look they, they were they they wanted to be that year you know it was a, it was a, it was, it was his first one it was a very contentious year and i think that the whca just wanted to just be the white house correspondent association. association they they wanted to just be sensitive to everybody's feelings, they were put in a very tough position because they are the liaison between the people, the press, and the administration. It's and the a, administration virtually boycotted it. Yes, yes. That being said, they never stopped me from saying anything, which is really As cool. we saw. Yeah, yeah, but that, that to me is awesome, that they, they can advise, hey, perhaps maybe you shouldn't do this, but nobody from the WHC stopped me from doing any of that material or vetting any of the material. And that, to me, is what makes that gig so amazing. And I think it actually makes me kind of really proud to be an American. It was a different crowd for you. Were you nervous? Yeah, totally. 
it's not it's not an ideal crowd. You're going into their party to make fun of them. Indeed. Yeah. And you did. And it was you didn't just go after Trump. You went after the media that night, specifically sure, sure. cable news, yeah, yeah, yeah. the White House press corps. Yeah. There was one bit where you said, you guys have to be more perfect now, more than ever. Because you are how the president gets his news. <laughs> not from advisors, not from experts, not from intelligence agencies, you guys. So that's why you gotta be on your A game. You gotta be twice as good. You can't make any mistakes. Do you think they've been on their A game over this past year? I, I How would you rate the media's coverage of Trump? So, so I would think certain people have been. Certain people? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's journalists that are doing great work, right? There, uh, there are guys and gals in the business that are doing excellent work. And then CNN still has panel shows with 16 people. <laughs> so, yeah, they haven't changed. So... I, I, again, I don't want to speak in absolutes, but the point of that reference... That if you run, had to give the media a rating now, since you spoke about them in those terms, where would you give uh, it? One year, one year in, Trump coverage, holding him to account. Cable news? I would say cable news is awful. Yeah. <laughs> Fox and Friends, The Five. These are awful Print shows. press better. Yeah, I would think... I don't think Fox News is trying to hold him to account. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> what worries you most about this current climate? Uh, what I was talking about earlier is that... Um, especially as a performer and someone who's trying to present facts and information on the daily show and, 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 you know, hopefully on the new show is that objective reality is just this debated thing so that you can present your studies or your facts ad infinitum. It's, it's like we're living in an age where people, it's like the news is almost like the comment section on Facebook where there is no, Hey, we went to the moon. Everything is a moon landing debate. Yes. And, and, and to that, be fair to that, Trump, that, he's a, more a symptom of this than a cause of this. This has been around pre-Trump. I mean, I remember reading that Daily Show viewers were more informed about Iraq and WMDs and all of that stuff sure. 10, 15 years ago right. than Fox News or cable news viewers were. They right. had a higher level of understanding. That's how much misinformation was still coming out of US cable. That ignorance and the misinformation and the question of facts, I think, has been around for so a So do you think the bigger question that I'm trying to ask myself as a performer and uh, you know, a, a political comedian is, has that Pandora's box been open? Can you go back? Because for the most part, and a, and a lot of phenomenons in life, I just don't want to be that guy, back in my day, mm. that's done. I think it's only going to get worse. I think I worry with the whole debate on Facebook and Zuckerberg at Congress. And I don't see how you put this stuff back, the genie back in the bottle. What makes you optimistic? Man, I see a lot of people doing incredible work. And, and I think it is far better to be optimistic about tomorrow than it is to be pessimistic or nihilistic. That just doesn't get you very far. Some, and I genuinely have that concern about my own heart. I look at a lot of people that I that I I really loved as as uh, as comedians growing up. Your your George Carlin's, all of these guys. I, I noticed as they got older, got really 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 pessimistic and nihilistic. And it got to a point where you would see them in the last couple of years of their life, and you're like, man, this just isn't. This is not really fun. And I I leave the show. You're not there to just make me laugh. You're also there to make me think. But am I supposed to leave the show and also just feel sad? So look, I, I just think about every day. You can you can be in one of three positions. You can look at it in a positive way, a neutral way, or a negative way. 
And so I want every day to at least present things to be in a net positive, and I'm seeing people doing that. And so I, I again, I'm not happy with the current state of the way things are in the world, but I think there's, especially in America, there's a tremendous amount and potential for change. Hassan Minaj, thanks for thanks. joining me on Deconstructed. Thank you, man. Yeah. That was Hassan Minaj of The Daily Show and soon to be host of a new talk show on Netflix. That's our show. Deconstructed is a production of First Look Media in The Intercept and is distributed by Panoply. Our producer is Zach Young. Lital Mollard is our executive producer. Our theme music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Betsy Reed is The Intercept's editor-in-chief. I'm Mehdi Hassan. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mehdi R. Hassan. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to the show so you can hear it every Friday. Go to theintercept.com forward slash deconstructed to subscribe from your podcast platform of choice. And if you're new to podcasts, we've got all the info there. Please do subscribe, whether you're on an iPhone or an Android or whatever. That means this podcast will automatically download to your device every time a new episode is available. And you don't want to miss a new episode, do you? If you've subscribed already, please go and leave us a rating or review. It does help people find the show. Thank you so much. See you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.